0: In looking at this passage this morning, uh, we're gonna uh, just, uh, last week we saw the word adoption, really on verses 5. Originally I wanted to actually teach 46 and then adoption, but I thought because last week we had combined with the kids. Uh, that concept is more easier to grasp for the kids at the, of the adoption and really uh, looking at Ephesians I think we we're going slow because I think just like with anything just like if we were, like I mentioned in the beginning This is almost like a book that declares a letter that declares the inheritance we have in who in Christ Okay, and just like with anything with inheritance. There's a lot of details Legal details we will pay attention to every single word And as we go through this we see what is God has done for us to save us from our sins Last week, we looked at the word adoption. Before that, we looked at verses 3. Verses 3, and I mentioned before, like, um, in verses 3 to uh, 14, it's really a long, a big run-on sentence, okay? It's a very long, in the Greek, uh, run-on sentence. Over 200 words, okay? Over 200 uh, Greek words in this one sentence. And really, verses 3 is kind of like the summary uh, of everything else. so saying, in general, that we are blessed, Okay? But now we're going to be looking from verses 4 onwards, we're going to be looking onwards of how God has blessed us. The details in verses 4 to 14, okay? And each one of, the way we could further divide this is that when you look how, to, okay, verses 3 only it says very clearly, God has blessed us, yes? God has blessed us. But then how does God bless us? Does that mean if God blessed us that we will have uh, really rich money, a super nice car, a uh, 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 private jet? Is that what scripture promised? Not necessarily, okay? Now, even if someone is a Christian, has those names, it is from God. But that's not primarily talking about material <clears throat> blessing first. So here we're going to see Paul describe what it is exactly, the spiritual blessing. And the way we would divide this is if you look from verses 4 to, um, verses four to 14, you can divide it into three sections. Remember how last week we saw the Trinity, who, uh, correction, uh, the adoption, who is provided for our adoption? You guys Remember? God the Father, who adopted us, right? God the Son paid the costs, and God the Spirit is a witness to say this is true, and tell us when we, when we are struggling with sin, when we see, oh man i 'm so bad, yes, you're bad, but also God says, "Turn to him and remind, and God the Spirit reminds you, no you 're adopted. The reason why you want to do godly things is not so that you could become earn your way to become god 's son is God has already paid the cost through his son. So, all the work of the Trinity. So, in the same way here, when you look at verses 4 to 14, you see it further divided into three sections of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, okay? There's further dividing the details between the three members of the Triune God, okay? The Father is described in verses 4 through what? 6, what we're looking at today, and what we're going to be preaching from. Then the uh, sacrifice of the Son is the focus in verses 7 to 12, 12 okay? What's the focus on the Son? What passage? 7, Seven through 12, okay? And the final part is the Holy Spirit, which is the seal of the Holy Spirit. In verses thirteen to fourteen. Okay, verses thirteen to fourteen. Okay, and by the way, the way you could also see there's a natural sense of division because every time it talks about the work of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, uh, Paul couldn't help but to praise God. Okay, look at verses six, the end of the part of God the Father. Do you see the part says to the praise of what? Of the glory. Okay. Then look with me also as well in verses uh, twelve. This is the part where it ends for the Son. It says, to the praise of His what? Glory again, okay? Then look at verses 14. It says, after the end of describing everything that the Holy Spirit does for us, it says what? To the praise of His glory, okay? So each one of these refrains is to say, after you see what He's done for us, the application should be, we should what? Praise Him. We should enthrall. And by the way, when we come to church, you know, sometimes I wish we could have the music last. Because as I'm reading the uh, music, it's also prepare my hearts for what? For preaching. Because when we see the praise, with all the words we s- sing, we're praising like even when we're talking about the fount, right? The foundation, the, or the fount. Um, um, just the well, the spring well of our salvation. The blood that's provided is who? Christ. So we have seen all of this. So all application of all of this is to say we're thankful for who? God, okay? We're thankful to God. And I think that also gives us peace in our lives as we go through our week. We face through many trials. We deal with very difficult people, difficult co workers, right? Difficult clients, difficult customers, all of that. Yet we still say, you know what? My identity is not just only my work. My identity is ultimately in Christ, okay? So, in light of this, we're going to be looking at verses 4, 5, and 6. Today, we're going to see uh, three applications. Again, verses 6 makes it very clear we're to praise God, okay? So, we're going uh, okay? so to praise God for three truths, okay? So, today, we're going to, if you're taking notes, we're going to praise God for three truths. Praise God for three truths. And these three truths are divided into four, five, and six of what God the Father has done. Point number one is this. Praise the Father for His work of election. Okay? Praise the Father for the work of election. In verses four. We'll explain that. Point number two is praise the Father for the work of predestination. Okay? Uh, Praise the uh, Father for His work of predestination uh point number three is praise the father for his work of his grace okay praise the father for his work of his grace so this is uh, detailed uh, uh, based upon the structure is based upon four five and six by the way in looking at these words some of these words do bleed together there's somewhat uh, meaning it does overlap but you see there's different aspects shades of meaning also as well okay So as we look at this, verses 4, 5, and 6, these are our three points. These three truths we praise God for. Number one, praise the Father for His work of election, in verses 4. Point number two, praise the Father for His work of predestination, verse 5. And point number three, praise the Father for His work of grace, verses 6, okay? In looking at this, um, I think the relationship between these three things is this. Um, God does the election, or choice, Um, some of your version in verses Four might say elect or chosen, okay? Um, then the basis of His election is on predestination, which is verse 5. Uh, we'll explain what predestination and that a little bit later. And then the summary of all election and uh, predestination is because of His grace, okay? The summary, why does God elect? Why does He predestine? It's not because He saw something good in us. He needs us to be in His team, but it's because of grace, Okay? So in light of this, let's look at the first part. is praise the Father for His work of election. <clears throat> Looking at verse 4 again, it says this. Just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we will be holy and blameless before Him in love. Okay? In verses 4 begins, I think most of our version says just as, right? In opening up verses 4. Any versions say anything else different? Um, usually this word is used for Comparison. But I think in Greek grammar is often when it's using, uh, introduct- um sometimes in the beginning of a sentence, it's also used in a way of when you don't see a comparison happen. It's also saying this is the uh, basis. In other words, what it's saying is this. If you remember verses 3, it's saying in general term, what? God has blessed us. We should bless Him back. But why should God bless us now? Is giving us a reason. In other words, this is another way I would translate it. this. Is why do we praise God? Why do we praise God? Is because. I'll translate this instead of just as, I'll translate this as because. Giving us one of the reasons why we praise God, as it says here, is because of election. Okay? Now, in verses 4, does some of your versions say elect? Or all your versions say chose? Uh, so, if your Bible says chose, raise your hand. If your Bible says elect, raise your hand. Anyone? I actually didn't compare English translation If your version says something other words Anyone else has another word besides chose Okay uh, This is the same verb uh, that's used elsewhere As elect Okay uh, so We asked the question then What does it mean? Uh, okay First and foremost we see in verses 4 Who's the one that elect us Is according to this context Verses 3 The last person in verses 3 mentioned, the referent here is actually God the Father, okay? So God the Father is the one that chose us, okay? Another way of using the word chose is elect. okay? Elsewhere is use that. An idea actually has the idea of an irresistible force, okay? in the Greek has the idea of an irresistible force. It has the idea of irresistible force. It's used to describe uh, in Greek literature outside the Bible, it's actually used the idea of um, in other usage, is one of the usage in Greek literature is someone that is very, very hungry. A man that's very, very hungry is strong and chooses what? To eat food, okay? So here's the idea of, of a strong, irresistible force, a, a strong choice, okay? That's used by somebody. In terms of how this word is, in, is used in the Bible, most of the time God is the subject. And by the way, even in the shade of the meaning of the word It's the idea that uh, someone chooses But that when he chooses You can't say, oh, that person has a legal basis of what? Uh, of you can't disagree with him Hey, this is his choice Okay, uh, It's just up to that person's prerogative Of how that person chooses Okay, The Bible actually speaks of three kinds of choice of God Or three kinds of election So how many kinds of elections are there the Bible? Three, okay By the way, I know when we hear the word election In our 21st century culture Right? Uh, in between this uh, Democrat and the Republican, I mean, uh, uh, the House and the Senate impeachment. We think of, when we hear the word election, we think of what? What's coming up in March, what comes in November. We think of political election, of choosing a president or an poli- uh, office, okay? This word, ju- do, do not read our 21st century idea into it, okay? We have to go by the words, uh, what it originally means, okay? Basically the idea has choice not necessary. It's not politics. Okay, by the way the idea of of Democratic Republic is actually a very fairly new phenomenon Okay, it's a long process. Okay Um, My view I I want to talk about foreign policy for now But you know my idea is also the idea that we have today is also we might say sometimes we look down on other countries How come they don't but it's also sometimes a long process look at even the American and English tradition It was a long time from the first idea of what Magna Carta all the way here and there was a lot of what? crazy bad queens and kings in between, okay? And a lot of bloodshed. So I think it's all slow. So we shouldn't force that upon others um, and, and think just because soldiers are there, okay? But we don't want to talk too much about politics. Let's go back on. So election here, okay? The Bible speaks often of three kinds of election. <clears throat> Number one is God's theocratic election. That is, He chose a, a chosen nation um, to be His special people. And one of His special people in history is what? A nation called... Israel okay um, So that's a d- uh Election Okay That he chose them But that does not imply Everyone that's Jewish Is what uh, Believer of God Okay There was throughout history uh, Believers oh, Correction Certain uh, people that are Jewish That do not follow The ways of God Okay In fact even today If you look at a lot of Really crazy ideology Sometimes It actually has an origin From someone that was What mm-hmm. Jewish In the uh, academic world that didn't necessarily believe in... They're very smart intellectually, but they didn't embrace a Christian worldview, okay? They didn't embrace a Christian worldview. I think of, um, for instance, Karl Marx. Um, what's his name? The other one, second one is uh, uh, Sigmund Freud, okay? Father of psychology. But that doesn't mean everything. Uh, by the way, even today, modern psychology, not a lot of people adopt fully everything Freud, okay? But he laid the framework. This is to say that just because you're you're Jewish does not mean automatically you are a true... Uh, regenerate that is you have a general relationship with God okay but that's one kind of election is chosen for the nation because why? He's eventually gonna bring the Messiah Jesus Christ out of that. Okay? Does that make sense? Okay. So that's one kind of election. There's another kind of election and that is vocational. That is it revolves your job. Okay? The Jews had how many tribes? Israel I shouldn't say Jews. Uh Israel because uh, Jews is actually from the tribe of Judah. That's how the name but then it got Mention all of that, okay? Uh, Israel, how many tribes were there? Twelve. Which tribe was uh, chosen to be the tr- uh, the tribe that does the work of the priests? The Levites, the Levites okay? Is every Le- Levite a priest? No, okay. Some uh, tribe, or some sub tribe uh, carried what the materials for the tabernacle. Some were singers. Some, uh, even though their family parents might have been priests, they weren't because of what. Their moral character were not qualified or other uh, aspect, okay? So that's more vocational. Think of also as well, the 12 what? Apostles, okay? Um, Just because your vocation is chosen by God, God wants you to do this as your job. Does that mean you're necessarily a true believer? No. Is every Levite, every priest a true believer of God in Old Testament time? No, okay? Some also sin very heinously, right? You think of, for instance, um, Eli, uh, the, uh, the priest, his two sons, remember that? Did he discipline his son? No. So they did all kinds of immoral things, right? They stole from the people, um, and also as well, what? They committed all kinds of gross sin just right outside the gates, okay? So that's, uh, and by the way, even among the 12 apostles, the original 12 apostles, was there anyone that did not follow God or Christ? Yes, Judas, okay? So that's a uh, second kind is vocational, okay? So the first is theocratic. What I mean by that is nation. Um, the second is vocational, and the third one is of salvation. Okay, that is choosing up for salvation to be saved. Okay, in the Greek verb here, it's actually a middle tense, and the idea is actually reflexive. That uh, what I'm mean, trying to say is this: when he chose, he's choosing for himself. Okay, uh, really, as you see later on in verses six, is for his glory. Actually, in verses three and six, is something about him that's glorious. Okay? It is for him to show his glory of his grace, Okay, as it shows in verse 6. We'll get there when we get to verse 6. Then the next question is, who's the object of his choice? And this is the part that blows my mind. Because I could understand Christ is the one he chose. That's his son. But look at the object. In the Greek it's very clear. The tense uh, or the declension is, the object is us. Okay? <coughs> Here believers is whom Paul had in mind. It's God that elected us, okay? That if you're a believer today, God has elected you, okay? Um, else, There's other scripture that affirms the truth that God chose us to be saved, okay? Uh, but I think one thing that we cannot say is uh, election means everyone is chosen, okay? As much as I I want the idea, everyone to be saved, as much as uh, I would like that to be true, uh, I think the New Testament doesn't teach a- elsewhere, where all people are are chosen um, with that, but there's passages that says God has chosen people from every nations, every what ethnic group. Does that make sense? Um, will be the case. And by the way, I think is also uh, to say elect means everyone also makes this term meaningless. Okay, some try to make it as if Christ is the one that's elected. Okay, because you'll read sometimes in um, certain books they'll say it's Christ is elected, and therefore since he's Chosen therefore we are grafted in with that too But I think in the Greek It is very clear the case case Or the declension of how the word is written in the end It is very clear Christ is the means That we could be uh, uh, saved But here is the one The object of his election Is Christ Now I know this term uh, It could be very heated In theology sometimes But I think in taking a step back We want to ask why did God chose us Okay. What did God chose us. At least for me this makes me uh, receive this doctrine much more um, easier. If you guys could put your pinky or thumb and turn with me to 2 Timothy 1:9. Okay? This is still 2 Timothy is also still written by Paul. Ephesians is one of his earlier letters, but in, by the time Second Timothy, this is his last letter. This is his swan song, so to speak. He writes this and he knows that he's going to go and die for the faith under the Romans. In Second Timothy one 9, 2 Timothy one nine says this: Who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his purpose and grace, which is granted in Christ Jesus from all eternity. Okay, so the reason why he chose us, if you see in verses uh, nine, it talks about our calling. Is is it because of anything good in us? No, but it says here it's because of his purpose and specifically. Out of His grace, okay? Out of His grace. And by the way, remember we talked about there's three kinds of election. There's national election. There is, what's the second one? Is vocational. And the third one is what? Is spiritual, okay? Um, Some people, in looking at this, my view is God chose sheerly out of grace. God chose sheerly out of grace. But I know sometimes... People, some Christians do have the view, and I, I will still say they're Christians, they would say, oh no, God looked at it throughout time and he saw that we would choose him, and therefore he chose us um, with that. Um, but I think in looking at this throughout history, even this is why I mentioned about the first uh, other kinds of election, is because even when you look at the other kinds, is it ever because of anything good we've done or, or that we want to choose him first or because he first chose us, right? Think about Israel. Was God chose Israel because they were like the best nation in the world? No, no okay. Um, put a pinky or, or thumb in Ephesians and turn with me to the Old Testament. I want to show you that even national election, uh, it's not because Israel is somehow, somehow super spiritual, okay? I don't think Israel is necessarily super spiritual or super good or somehow super big or somehow super amazing is why God chose them. Okay? Turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 7, verses 7 to 8. Deuteronomy chapter 7, verses 7 to 8. It says this, The Lord did not set His love on you, nor chose you because you were more in number than any other people. For you are the fewest of all people. Verse 8, But because the Lord loved you and kept the oath which He swore to your father, the Lord brought you by a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of slavery, from the hands of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Okay? This is a lot going on here. This is God saying, Hey, the reason why I pick you to be a special holy nation is not because you were the biggest country in the world. It's not because you were awesome. It's not any worldly standard. In fact, verses 8 reveal a little more detail. You were a nation that was under what? Slavery. Okay? In the world's eyes, you were the lowest of the what? Low. Okay? And God, what? Then chose you. Not because of anything. Okay? And by the way, even when you think about the vocational thing. Okay? Uh, in terms of vocational. We're were those that were picked for their job sometimes? were they always necessarily because they would do right or good? You think of Judas, yes? Judas, was he picked for his vocation because somehow he was God really needed him so badly? No, okay. Um, so we see here in the same way I would say the same analogy when it comes to spiritual salvation, it's also surely because of his grace, surely because um, of his mercy. Turn with me uh, back with me also as well to First Corinthians three. A uh, question. First Corinthians. Uh, this is another verse I actually didn't think about. Uh, actually, First Corinthians one. So, what happened when there's 17 or, or you know, things that are just on the spot? Uh, First Corinthians one twenty six talks about God's calling and election. He says this. First Corinthians one twenty six. consider calling, brethren, that there were not many wise according to flesh, not many mighty, not many noble, but God chosen. Notice the verb chosen. The foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things which are strong. And the base things of the world and the despised things God has chosen. The things that are not so, so he nullify the things that are. So that no man may boast before God. So sometimes people would ask me, why did God choose me to be saved? Or, or even some people that really believe strongly in God's uh, salvation sometimes could be very prideful. It's like, hey, these other Christians, they don't know the second level deeper truth. And they're very prideful. And on Facebook, in the groups I moderate, I have to often deal with what? Raging, young Calvinists that just want to burn down their church and everything else, okay? And I have to say, hey, slow down, right? A hey, love people, okay? Um, because if you really understand that God has chosen you, don't ever think He chose you because you're smart, because you're so awesome and all that. Because this verse says, if there might be any reason, it's because you're what? Not necessarily the most gifted, according to the world's eyes, as it says here. Not many of you were wise, right? And this is talking, Paul's talking about this church in Corinth. He's saying, you're Christians, not because God needed you, because you're super smart, and therefore the whole world will be like, whoa, look at how many smart Christians, maybe we should become uh, believers, right? And I like how he also says not many, not saying all, oh, therefore like <laughs> smart people cannot be saved at all, okay? Um, but here it makes it very clear, okay? That He chose us so that no one may boast. No one can say, oh, God chose me because He needs me on my team. Okay? Uh, or because He needs me to do this work at church or whatever else. Okay? Or He needs me to make a, nat- a national impact or world impact. Um, the reality is God chose so that He gets the glory. So that the world knows very clearly that the whole Christian program is all about grace. Okay, It's all about God's grace. So in light of this, let's turn back also as well to Ephesians. Let's look at chapter 2, verses 4 to 5. I think there's a, within this book, there's also hints of why He chose us to be saved. In Ephesians 2, verses 4 to 5, I think reveals uh, God's motivation. Uh, for lack of a better term, God's emotion, so to speak. Although I think it's more than that. Um, and is using anthropomorphism. Um, but verses 4 to 5. Um, It talks about God being rich in mercy because of His great what? Love. You guys see that? And then in verse 5, it talks about by grace you've been saved, okay? It says love, grace, and what? Mercy is why we are chosen by God, okay? I think when I go to heaven, there will be one mystery. There will be many questions I have for God when I go to heaven. But I think one mystery that I'll always have is, why would God ever chose me to be saved? That makes me humble. That makes me to be a, what, a broken-hearted evangelist. That when I share the gospel, I don't go out there and say, Hey guys, look, I'm better than you guys. It's like, no. God has been surely by His grace has saved me. And I'm just, what, another dying sinner to another dying sinner telling someone where well, there's bread or well, there's grace. Okay? Look at all of this here. We see the what He has done to save us is God the Father has uh, elected us or chosen us. And the means, as it says, is in Him. I think this hymn is uh, in the Greek is instrumental, shown by the means um, that's possible, and it's here specifically hymn. I think is referring to Christ. Okay, because we cannot go approach God on our own because what we've all been very what sinful. Okay, so therefore we need what His grace. Okay, one of the YouTube videos I saw last year was I just there was a point I was just say, oh I just watched some police videos. Like, you know, of arresting someone. And one of the videos I thought was kind of interesting. This lady calls the police because she says her car was not working. But when the police went over, she keeps on saying, you know, and the police just said, I'll oh, go over there. She keeps calling 911 so many times. They, the police goes over there and say, like, we don't fix people's cars. And she's like, I know, I don't have money. And then when they did show up, said, okay, we'll look at it. And then she keeps on telling officers, please don't arrest me. Which then they say, why do you keep saying that? Then they actually run the person's name. And they found out this person had five warrants. And the officer was like, I've never met anyone that has five warrants and still hasn't been arrested yet. Why did you call us? And then they had to what? Arrest that person, okay? And they're like, why did you even call us? Right? Because we come and you know, they helped, you know, something with her car. It was like some minor thing. And then it was like, now you're arrested, right? So that's the same thing with us. We approach God. We want God's blessing. But we can't approach because we have all these guilt. And the only way to make that possible as it says, is in him that is Christ who has purchased us, who has redeemed us, who paid the cost, laying as we see with the symbol of his body and his blood, to save us, to take the punishment for our sins. The question then goes on, and looking at this verse, we've already seen God's activity, uh, God's work to save us. He, he chose us, okay? The father first began the initiative by choosing us. We see the object is us, believers. The means is in Christ, but then it goes on in verses four to say the timing. When did He choose us? It says before the foundation of the world. Okay? In terms of time, Him choosing us is what? Way before, what? You and I were ever born. Way before the world was even in existence. Way before the world was even born itself. Or has its origin. God has already, what? Long ago, made the decision to save us from our sins. So God saves us, but when we save us, by the way, some people struggle with their life purpose, right? Those that are young say, what is the purpose of life? And they go to different phases and become dressed a certain way every few years to find out what their identity is, what's their purpose. But God's Word actually reveals what our purpose is here. Long ago, before you were ever born, by the way, this shows us too, right? Even when you think of teenagers, when they're struggling with who they are, God already knows who they are. And here it reveals the three purpose. God didn't just choose us to be saved, but He also chose us to live our life to be this way right now, okay? What are these three purposes we have? There's threefold, okay? It goes on, that, you guys see the word that, I think is indicating, or well, I don't think, in the Greek is showing purpose, uh, purpose clause here. So He chose us so that we would be holy. You guys know what holy means? Set apart. Set apart. Yes, thank you Mrs. Burton, right? Yeah. That is, we're set apart to be what? Different, Okay? Set apart to be different. Set apart for the things of what? Of God, okay? As believers, we're supposed to be different than the way the rest of the world is, okay? We're supposed to be different. We're supposed to be different in a good way, by the way. Not in a weird way, not in an ungodly way, not in leading the pack of being the most sinful, but in a way that is godly. And just in case you don't miss this, you see a second purpose is revealed. It says as it goes on, and blameless before Him. The word there means without blemish or spot. Okay? Without blemish or spot. It's used eight times in the New Testament. Although later uh, in the Old Testament, in the Greek translation of the Old Testament, it appears a lot more. Especially in in talking about sacrificial animals. Okay? How many of you guys in Chinese New Year? As a little kid, my parents would always... Send me to go buy meat, right? Uh, then you go buy meat and you look at the chicken, and I always see all the elderly people like picking which exact what duck, which one they're looking, which one is bigger, which one looks nice, which one you know all, all that, or or you know pork skin, or whatever else, right? And you're making your choice and you're looking as much without blemish or exact right kind. And this is the term here too. We are to be blameless. That is to be without spot. That is no moral spot here. But when we think about it, our day-to-day life, do we sin? Yeah. If you're partaking of communion even this morning, sometimes people could struggle and say, oh, do I take communion when I have no sin? But man, every month I sin. Every month I struggle with something. I struggle even this morning getting upset or something, whatever else you would say, right? But when we try to partake of communion, it's not saying you have to be perfect. But it's to say what? That you actually, the first thing is you really go to the cross. Okay, This blameless here, uh, I think, is saying more towards the future that we'll be fully blameless. But that's our goal. We're heading towards that. We're working towards that. Because when it says before Him, I think the question is, who is this Him? I think it's referring to God the Father. Because the reason why is because later on you'll see in Ephesians, the one that is, because uh, Him is a pronoun. It could be, is it Christ? Is it Holy Spirit? Is it God the Father? I think it's God the Father because you look in the book of Ephesians and elsewhere, the person that's working in us to be blameless right now is Christ. Does that make sense? And the Holy Spirit. So before him, right now, he's working in us. So I think it very likely is this. And I think this shows, this gives us grace. We are not perfect right now, but God is working in us to head towards that goal. Okay. Look with me real quick in Ephesians 5.27. Ephesians 5.27. Here's so I could catch my breath. Josh, could you read that out loud while I drink water? <coughs> Ephesians 5:27 no or or yeah in the context this is talking about uh, marriage okay uh, that husbands and wives are supposed to reflect the mirror of they're supposed to be mirrors of what of Christ and the church and Christ right now is working in the church his bride. To be blameless Same word that appears here So it's an ongoing effort right now So we're not perfect right now Okay I don't believe in sin, uh, sinless perfectionism right now Okay uh, I remember a long time ago at UCLA There used to be this open preacher Open air preacher named Dan He'll always wear this Jewish flag around him As a scarf When he preaches He'll preach And then some Christian will cheer for him Until he says Hey, you too need to repent Because you are sinners And everyone said, oh yeah, we're sinners Then someone finally asked, hey, are you sinners? He says, no, I'm without sin And when he said that, I remember looking And I remember looking, oh man His wife is in the back, sitting there And she looks really sad So then I stood up, you know I want to be a preacher too Stood up and asked him, say, Hey, I have a question for you, preacher And he says, yes, go ahead so I asked, Dan, you know, your wife Could I ask a question? And she, he said, yes And he brought the wife over and asked then I asked her, Hey, is your husband perfect? And she said nothing. Okay? She said nothing. And this is the only time that I've ever seen the world ever cheers too. Like even like regular like people, you know, making fun of Christianity, blaspheming. Like, yeah! You know, that was only a moment. Until I started preaching the real gospel. Hey, we're all sinners still. And we need grace. And then, you know, that is cool, right? They just thought, oh, it's just objection, right? I has to say is this. Could you imagine being his wife? Could you imagine living with someone that thinks they're perfect? Could you imagine being in a church where the pastor thinks he's perfect? Ah, that that scares me think about how much sin that'll be heaped that i'll be held accountable for right so in the same way we are not perfect we're not fully blameless but god is working in us okay that's the second purpose so we're heading towards that goal are you trying to strive to be godly and i think as time goes on we will be changed who you are uh will be changed okay uh, with this and let's go to the third purpose you see is also in love okay now this verb uh so my view has also changed as a result of deeper study i used to see the word in love it's talking about the next part we're predestined in love but the more i look at the greek the more i really think he's not talking about predestination in love it's talking about uh really it's modifying blameless and holy the way we could be blameless and holy is we need to have love uh, and i say this real quick there's some people that are legalistic They outwardly don't do bad things. They don't drink or chew or go out with boys and girls that do. But then they what? They're judging everyone, right? Uh, They're judging everyone. They're looking at everyone in church like, hey, I'm better than this person. person." Is that something that pleases God? Spiritual pride. Does that please God? Spiritual arrogance. No. Being a judgmental spirit. We need a judge, but we can't be judgmental. Does that make sense? A a spirit of just judging self-righteousness. So here we see, in the same way, it's modifying all of this and says that. And I actually think the best way to grow in holiness and godliness is to keep it simple. It's just to love God and to love others. As you love God, you naturally want to do what pleases Him. As you love others, you'll put up with others, deal with people that are difficult. So here is this word, and what does love mean? This idea of selflessness. Okay. Oh man. Originally, I was dividing. I almost divided this sermon into. Just one verse, but I thought that would be too slow, okay? So we're already 30 minutes into this message. As application, uh, as application, sometimes I think we need to realize this should humble us, okay? This should give us gratitude. If you realize nothing, you know, we don't deserve anything, but yet God still chose us. And you should see that everything that comes from God is a blessing, okay? Um, sometimes we could think what, it's what we do. It's our skill and our ability. It's why God wants us to be in His team, in His church. But I think we need to realize, God didn't choose you because of those things. He chose us because of His love. In fact, He might even have chosen you, as we saw in First Corinthians 1, because you're the opposite of the world. You're not the guy that's working in the Fortune 500 company. Okay? It's the different mentality of thinking with this. Okay, So I think it's important to realize, God has chosen us because of His grace. How many of you guys, when you guys were little, maybe playing basketball, you guys the last one picked? I was, okay i was always the last one picked okay uh and every time dreading for sports because you know man i'm not that tall and i can't dribble and when it comes time to pick people are always picking all these people you know when they have two teams one team captain and i was dreading it because i'm always going to be the last one pick like literally okay and you know what god's way is different god didn't choose us to say oh i need something with him you know you know, he he has something I need, okay? God didn't say, when I, when I save you, let me look at your resume. Ooh, whoa, you know, your LinkedIn account looks really, really good. Boy, look at how many friends you have. I need to definitely have you, right? God is not in the business of being a headhunter. But God chose us. Why? Because sheerly out of His love, sheerly out of His mercy. Also, his application question. Are you aiming to be holy, blameless, and loving? Because that's a goal. God saves us. That's a purpose. God has saved us, right? So do you desire to be holy? Do you desire to be blameless? And do you desire to what? Love others, right? Just like if I were to be picked for a basketball game, after being picked, you would what? Oh, wow, that person chose me. You work hard to what? To actually do well, okay, with that. Same thing, our motivation. In the light of what God has done for us, we would desire this. Let's go on to the second point. God Praise the Father For His work of predestination Praise the Father For His work of predestination This is in verses 5 Verses 5 says this He predestined us To adopt As sons Through Jesus Christ Himself According to the kind intention Of His will I realize uh, As your pastor um, There's certain theology That is for whatever reason Is controversial When it begins with the word P. Predestination, is there a lot of people that argue, debate about it? Yes, okay. End times. There's a lot of people debate about what end times is like. One of the views is called what? Pre- Tribulational. Pre-tribulational and pre-millennial, okay? Uh, pre-millennial, okay? Then another one is also in terms of apologetics. There's a school that people, might be also controversial. Ben Chung, do you know what that name is? Begins with a pre, a, a school of apologetics that could be controversial or Anthony presuppositional right okay uh, triple threat right pre uh, and yet the, these are the things I believe predestination Premillennial and also um, presuppositional apologetics anyways those are big fancy terms but what is predestination? what do we praise God for okay looking at this term uh, predestination is something we should thank God for uh, in the Greek uh, predestination is a participle really the f- purpose of this is giving the basis of earlier verses four, God chose us. Because uh, the next question is, when it says God chose us, some people and some Christians say, oh, maybe the reason why God chose us is because He knows all things, He sees a big timeline. And He looks way back, way into the future, before time began, He saw that we would choose Him. And therefore, we, He chose uh, us. And then therefore, it's really, He chose because, the basis is because we choose Him. Verses five, I think, uh, qualifies that. By actually saying the basis it's not because we got, look long ago. He saw that we would choose him, and therefore, he chose us. Uh, is I think the basis is the word predestination, which then we ask the question: Is what is predestination? It's a compound word, means setting a boundary or determine, and the prefix before. So, in other words, is setting a boundary before or determining something before, and in the word is very similar choice. Um, is a choice because earlier we saw it's before time and pre here I think has the idea before time God has determined things but the difference though it overlaps is predestination always refer the when it always say God predestined is always saying He's choosing with a destination in mind okay choosing with a destination in mind I want to say this also real quick the word predestined always using the New Testament is often a good thing you know God you know saving people for predestined. Uh, for believers to be saved it is interesting it doesn't ever use this term in the new testament ever predestining someone to hell okay nowhere in the new testament does it ever use a word to predestine someone to hell it's often uh, uh always towards a good end okay maybe the most negative is in acts two where god has predestined christ to die on the cross which is negative but the end is what to save sinner a good end also as well okay so in light of this Uh, It's always really God's having a plan with a goal or destination in mind. That's the difference, shade of meaning between the choice, the word choice or election. Okay? So God chooses us, and you ask why? Is it because of something good in us, or is it because we would choose Him? Uh, Verse 5 clarified then no, it's because of a greater purpose God has, because of a plan that God has for us. Who's the object of this plan? Just like in verses 4, it says the word us, referencing believers. And then the result okay what is it that he, his goal or the result that he's predestining us for notice it goes on and says to adoption okay question the last week we spent an hour looking at adoption okay so I won't be going into details with that but he does this notice it says here the plan is that already before he always wanted to what adopt us okay adopt us as sons okay adopt us as sons for the sake of time <coughs> we go forward the means is through Jesus Christ himself you guys remember that Christ provided the cost. and what's the motive what's the motive it goes on it says according to the kind intention of his will okay sheerly because he is what kind okay the Greek, uh, kind intention in the Greek is just only one word uh, it's just only one word in the Greek it means the idea of satisfaction good pleasure or well pleasing okay it's merely because of God's goodness is why he has predestined us then the phrase is of according to his will i think it's showing the source of that okay not necessarily our will first i do think by the way if you're a believer you will have to choose him okay so i don't believe in a will i do believe in a will but i think that will is not free from sin right is why he has to make the initiative to choose us um, but here The word His will Is showing the source Of that Okay So its application uh, As we will see In the next two weeks We will see what the Son does Which is beautiful and glorious I hope in just one week Maybe you spill into two weeks What the Son is done Then we're going to see The work of the Holy Spirit But in all of this As you see the beauty As you see uh, Just like the word redemption As we go next week Some of these words Are very rich If you go on uh, correction adoption, right? Verses five, verses seven. We're gonna spend one week looking also maybe at the word redemption because that's a very rich word. They're just so loaded of how beautiful and lovely God is in saving us, okay? Um, but yet, in all of this, okay, in all of this, we must remember that who begins this plan? Who thought of this first? God the Father, okay? It's His purpose. So, as application. Even as we praise God today for all He's done, as you, you go and say, wow, thank you, Jesus, also remember to say what? Thank you, God the Father. When you see the work of what the Holy Spirit does in us right now, you say, wow, thank you, Holy Spirit, you also say, wow, thank you, God the Father, for having this plan. That's what the word predestination means. It's according to His plan all along that this would be done. Okay? Um, and as application question, when's the last time you thank God for choosing and even electing us? We often think about thanking God, the Son, for dying on the cross for our sin. Okay, Maybe some of us might even be a little more better theologically and even be appreciative of the Holy Spirit what saving us, convicting us, drawing us, um, speaking to us in His Word. But sometimes we could even forget God the Father. We thank Him in general for good things. But when was the last time you say thank you God for election and predestination also as well? Another application question. Do you realize you're now a child of God instead of a child of wrath? Remember earlier we just saw He had predestined us to be what? Adopted. To be what? Sons of God. To be saved. It's so beautiful. God didn't just save us to be His slave. God didn't just save us to be His nation, so to speak, or a tribe. But He made us to be His child. One of humans' closest relationship. What a beautiful thing. Do you realize you're now a child of God Instead of child of wrath and sin. And by the way, this is written 2,000 uh, years ago. Back then, you know the phrase like father, like what? Son. It's more true back then than today. Because back then, if my dad, for instance, is a farmer, very likely what is my job going to be? Farmer, right? If, you're, if your father is is wealthy, very likely what will you be when wealth is handed out in that kind of culture back then? You will be... A drugger, you said? <laughs> yeah, right? Okay? So you'll be drunk, or right, well, whatever, okay? With that, You get the idea. So in the same way, when you realize you're now a child of God, instead of a child of wrath, that means you pursue what? Godliness, okay? Again, you're not being godly to try to earn a place to say, God, I want to be your son. But now it's the other way around. God has made you his son. Therefore, you say, oh, I want to be like my father, out of love. Does that make sense? Not out of works to earn it. But He's given us a free gift. And then you say, I love Him. Out of grace, then you say what? I'll say no to sin. I'll say yes to what? Godliness. Of being patient with others. Of loving towards others. and, And all of that. So let's go on to the third point now. Okay, Praise the Father for His work of grace. Praise the Father for His work of grace. It says here the result is very clear of God's predestination and election is so that we would praise who? We would praise God as it says the praise of the glory of His grace. The word praise here indicates end or goal, okay? End or goal, or or the word two, I mean, and the word praise here has the idea of approval, praise, and applause, okay? We should be thanking God and applauding Him. We would praise God for His glory, but what is glory? Uh, the word is actually often used for the translating. Uh, the Hebrew word for glory, okay, uh, is often used to translate in the Greek translation of the Old Testament um, for glory. And by the way, the Greek word uh, for glory, Gabura, is actually weighty, right? Weighty. And you might ask, why is it weighty glorious? I know we live in a society today that emphasize what? Skinniness in our culture, yes? But I remember my mom, my mom who grew up in Laos, says, you know what? Growing up, the standard of beauty was what? As light skin in her culture, in the Lao culture And also what? Women have more, what? Weight Why is that? Why is it that back then If you look at sometimes Ancient culture the, Some of the statues They're not like They don't look like um, They don't look like models today, right? Where you see one I always feel like giving a $6 You know, college junior burger, right? Uh, why is that? Why is that? Because fertility And all of that, right? Maternity But also as well Is the privilege of having weight Is often what? Affluence, right? Affluence. So light skin, you know, in my mom's Lao culture, was also because you didn't have to work in the field, okay? So in the same way, also as well, so the word glory also as well is what is idea that of, of this person is of, speak about his status, okay? So now when we think about God, God is glorious. God is glorious. His status is high and yet his status is something not based upon how, just only how awesome he is but also notice is to praise the glory is further described of his grace okay of his grace he's been gracious to us when we see the word election when you see the word predestination it shouldn't be words that are scary but it's actually of God's what grace and mercy okay and yet this grace it says he freely bestowed in the beloved okay So now I'm going to ask you guys a question A quiz In in, in conclusion Adoption How much did it cost us? Nothing Nothing. Because verse 6 ends with saying what? Freely bestowed on us Okay Election Is this something we contributed to that? No Because it says what? Freely bestowed on us Okay Um Predestination Is that something we do to get that? No. no Freely bestowed on us Okay Now I know sometimes people struggle like, Oh what about those that are not saved All of that I like what Spurgeon says right <laughs> You you pray uh, Right Pray like You know uh, God will work through you Okay And by the way I do think when you pray god That's what sometimes God's mean Of bringing people to be saved Right um, You ever hear the phrase Right um, Pray like a Calvinist Right? Work like an Armenian Okay I know that term You could break that down And say Jimmy was You know uh, All that But I think that's the idea God working Do Does that mean you're lazy Therefore you realize Hey if God really works through you You will go all out Knowing that everything is What God is working Right Pray as a Calvinist mean that you really believe God is what Sovereign and in control And He is all powerful So all of this Is to say that We do all this And really we should Praise God Right it's incredible. When you think about the glory of God, <coughs> Psalms 19.1 says, The sky give Him glory. Okay? i uh, going to retreat this last uh, two weeks ago. My daughters, that was the first time out of the city, a little bit somewhat looking. They were like, Whoa, look at the stars, right? You can see more stars. And that shows the glory of who? God, okay? The Bible also says in Isaiah 43.20, The beasts of the fields give glory to God also as well. Then yet when you look at all these things Even 1 Corinthians 10.31 It says Whatever you eat Whatever you drink You must give glory to what? God That means later on When I go inside Whatever and I get the choice is like Oh which ramen do I pick? Do I pick the Korean one? Do I pick the spicy one? Do I pick, pick the one that's like pho? Or do I pick the one Just regular American cup of noodle? You might say Oh what? Some of us might be oh, it's, What is God's choice? And then you free But then God says He gives you liberty But whatever you pick When I eat my American ramen later Right? I'm eating for the glory of what? God okay but then if that mundane thing we do for the glory of God how much more so in the big redemptive history of God's plan he electing predestining saving all of us should we praise God for his incredible mercy okay let us close in a word of prayer dear God we just pray Lord that you help us Lord to love you more Lord we pray Lord that thank you for what the Father has done coming up with this plan to save us. Lord, You know all the hairs in our head, the number of hairs on our head. Lord, You know us deeply, our deepest, darkest secrets, our deepest, darkest longing, and yet even our deepest, darkest sin. Darkest sin. We pray, Lord, that You save us. And Lord, if anyone here is not saved, may You move in them in light of even what we've seen the last few weeks of adoption and everything of Your grace. Help us, Lord, to love You more. Help us, Lord, each week we desire to praise You by eagerly coming each Sunday to see what Your Son and the Spirit does in the next few weeks. Thank You. In Jesus' name we pray.